and talking to our friends. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Hellboy Book Club. My name is John Salinas, and I'm here with... Aubrey Loveless. And I'm Danielle. Hey, you damn guys. What's going on? Hey. Yeah, it's Hellboy time again. We're back to do the Hellboy Book Club. Uh, this is our Hellboy podcast. We're reading all the Hellboy comics. We've read all the Hellboy comics, BPRD comics, all the little side things, Witchfinders. Witchfinders. And other stuff. But Danielle's going to tell you all about it now. Uh, <laughs> first, we're going to tell you to read a thing, and then... We're going to read the thing, and then we're going to talk about the thing that we read, and you're going to listen to us talking about the thing that we read, and then you're going to talk about what we talked about when we talked about the thing that we read. You're going to send us a, hey, damn, guys, it's an email, or some social, you know, write us a message, social media, and and so on and so forth, and then we're going to talk about what you talked about when you talked about us talking about the thing that we read, and that's friendship, and that's a book club. Back to you, John. Yes, thank you so much. Excellent. Classic work there. That was mm. so good. Although I got to say, like, I, I really liked how you threw it to Hayden and Wes last week, and they were just tag teaming. <laughs> it's so hilarious. Yeah, they did, they did yeah. a good job. They did a good job. It was job really with good. That. Was a great job. Yes, but um, thank you for uh, mentioning that, Aubrey, because I did want to thank Hayden Orr and Wes Matthijs for joining us last week on the spur of the moment, like, literally, like, hours before we were going to record you know they came in uh and west like literally 20 minutes about 20 minutes yeah before we were going to record he was like yeah i'll come on i don't <laughs> what the heck you know so it was so much fun we that's had a book great time that's with friendship them. yes awesome. true friendship thank you guys for subbing in for me last week yeah that was really good it was a lot of fun but i'm glad to have you back yeah now we got, good to have you we back. got classic aubrey back classic aubrey haircut aubrey with in a the new house. haircut <laughs> go look at my facebook page if you want to see it yeah there you go yeah <laughs> All right, haircut. Yeah. So thank you so much, guys. Uh, Huge shout out to them. Make sure to check out Hayden Orr at Last Book on the Shelf podcast. I'll link it in the show notes. He's got a great show over there. Uh, We've also guest hosted on that show. Uh, Thank you for having us to talk about Twin Peaks. And you can check out Wes Matthijs on our Baltimore episodes. We're actually going to have another one of those next week. So uh, thanks so much, guys. We'll be hearing from those guys, I'm sure, very soon. All right. Now we're going to go on to our listener feedback. Listener Feedback. Get out, trades and floppies. Get out, hardback copies. Digital is fine. Read along in time. Get out, trades and floppies. Regarding our Sarah Jewel episode, we heard from Thaddeus Papke. Thaddeus Papke. Book club member. Mm-hmm. All right. He said... Uh, listening to the latest episode now and subject of murder mystery genre came up is a genre that I've always felt quite connected to. It goes back to watching Murder, She Wrote, uh, starring the recently passed Angela Lansbury with my parents in the PBS series Mystery that opened with a different incredible title sequence by Edward Corey. Uh, and he, then he linked it and we'll put that in the nice. show notes. Yeah, very cool. Uh, I, I haven't seen that. I, I want to check that out. There's are many brilliant murder mystery movies, shows, and books out there. An absolute favorite of mine is Mrs. Fisher's Murder Mysteries about a fashionable indomitable female detective in 1920s Australia. And he linked the IMDb page to it. Oh, fun. <laughs> very cool. Uh, however, to be entirely biased, my favorites are the ones that I write and participate in myself. I get to write a mystery for special adult-only events in the museum I work for. The next one what? is that later this month and we'll have a rather... Hellboyish vibe. What? Oh, man. Oh, so awesome. Please follow up and give us the details on how that went. I yes, do, do want to know. That's how cool. That wow. <laughs> yeah. I would love to know a little bit more about that. That's so interesting. Like, if you had to create your own mysteries for work, like, I would definitely take notes from all of these, oh, yeah. you oh, know, sure. all these Hellboy things, all these comics and stuff like that. Man. And inside a museum? 
Oh, yeah. that's gotta be wickedly bad. That's really cool. That's really cool. Oh man, awesome! Thank you, Thaddeus. If you also like murder, she wrote. There's this really cool YouTube channel called Push, uh, Pushing Up Roses, and she does all these murder she wrote videos. Okay. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Awesome. I'll link that in the show notes as well. I've never watched the show, but her videos are really entertaining. <laughs> wow, that's great. We also heard from Jamie Smith. Jamie Smith. Book club member. Mm-hmm. Jamie said, Mitten is a gem, though that series was a bit of a snoozer, sadly. I don't know. I thought that that was a great series, the Sarah Jewel series. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. right on. You know, I, just, I mean, not everything is for everybody. That's okay. Yeah, but I think like if you're, you know, I, I guess it didn't have like a lot of action in it, you know, or I don't know. It was more of like a... It's very it was, different pacing from what we're used to. It, it was more is, just like a you know, bunch of people in a house, you know what I mean? They're all trying sure. to figure out what happened. Yeah. So I think that's valid. That's fine. <laughs> but I thought it was interesting because our other feedback was from Ryan Rollinson. Ryan Rollinson. Book club member. And he said, this was a fun mystery, a cool horror story with great characters reviewed by fantastic podcasters. Yeah. Thank oh, you so much, awesome. Ryan. Thank you. But I see like it goes both ways. Sure. Someone's like, oh, yeah. I've, this was kind of a snooze fest. And one. Well, here yeah. at the Hellboy Book cool Club podcast, story. we've got something for everybody. Yes. Right. Yes. Everybody's opinion is valid. Unless, yes. Unless you're a douche. Unless it's horrible. <laughs> unless you have a unless you have a wrong opinion. Yeah. I'll tell you. Opinion. Yeah. So you do not you do not have to worry. <laughs> I'll let you know. Yes. Regarding our Atron episode with Matt Strackbine, the letter hack. Matt Strackbine, the letter hack. Book club member. Yes, thank you, Matt, for joining us for that episode. Uh, we heard from Ryan Yule. Ryan Yule. Another book club member. Yes. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, he had to share some of his Acheron pages. So he's got some of the Acheron pages. There we go. He's got like three I'm pages. I'm rubbing my hands together. So um, he's, got, he he's got a really cool that. page, probably one of my favorite pages in the whole book, where they reveal all their river names and it's got all of them. Yeah, you were digging on that. It's got like that. the squares it's a good on page. it. And the top panel is like Ed Gray standing in the fire, you know, with this like landscape behind him. Uh, so Ryan has that fucking page. I think that's like <laughs> the best page in the in the comic. Um, that's a really good one. He's also got that page where it's got all the flashbacks of Ed Gray's life and it shows like... Oh, yeah. Um, wow. It shows Ed Gray and then it shows wow. like the Lilliput little cow or whatever oh, yeah. you know right right yeah uh-huh so he shared that one too logan Rea responded logan Rea, book club member he said one of my favorites that i stole for my kids beat that ryan and he had a miniature toy cow oh <laughs> so awesome. i was like i was like man i want to get one now and write lily put on it have you write it on there like the same Lilliput. like in the same oh in the same font in the same font sure. or whatever god I want, i'm gonna do that now okay totally gonna do that thank you for sharing that logan that was really cool <laughs> I don't know if you remember uh, on that episode, Matt joked that uh, Ryan had sent him pages. Oh, yeah. yeah. Be, you uh-huh. know, and uh, and Ryan said, now I feel bad I didn't get Matt Strackbine three Hellboy and Hell pages for his birthday. <laughs> and Matt responded, he was like, it's always, there's always next yeah, year. It's not Christmas. too late. <laughs> it's not too late. You can. Yeah. Anyway. Good stuff. Good job. We have th- fun. We have good times. Yeah, it was good. Everybody yeah. was the in Hellboy there. Like Jerry Turnbull podcast. was in there and he was like, That's so generous of you, Ryan. And nice. it was Very it was a good. whole thing. It was it was a whole thing. It was it was All your fun. favorites so are back. We got a hey you damn guys from Drew Campbell. Drew Campbell. Book club member. That's right. Maybe Mignola didn't originally intend for those guys to be the rivers of hell, but then he got the idea from hearing Matt on the podcast. <laughs> oh, man, okay. Was... All right. Let's let's uh hmm. <laughs> Matt's really not going to be able to walk out the door now because uh, his head will be so big he won't be able to like fit out of his door. 
Uh, Drew Campbell asks the important question: How many geek points would that be? <laughs> just, Quite a few. Just all of them. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> you'd win the geek war. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Drew, <laughs> Drew Campbell continues. I get the same translation on Google Translate for uh, Pluton dis adu s exorama. That as was Matt. yeah. That was the stuff that Pluto was saying. Right. So he got the same translation as Matt. I don't have much to contribute other than the fact that Pluton literally means wealth, according to Google Translate, which, again, we all know is not a good way to translate things. Well, no, but does it actually mean that? or well, There's no way of knowing because Google Translate is terrible. So if you take the uh, – he continues. So if you take the English translation, I give her wealth out of thin air and replace wealth with Pluto, you can maybe interpret it as Eligo saying that Pluto's power is being magically transferred to him. Also, the word dis could be a reference to Dispater, a Roman god of the underworld who was often equated with Pluto or the city of Dis from a divine comedy, which encompasses the sixth through ninth circles of hell. Wow. I love that. Gosh, I love like, awesome. a, like a rich bit of research like that. Um, very cool. I love that, Drew. Sorry, Danielle, but your pronunciation of Tartarus is correct. What did I say? Yeah, so... Did I say Tartarus <clears throat> or Tartarus? No, I was saying Tartarus. You were saying Tartarus. And you were saying Tartarus. I was saying Tartarus. But you were saying that you liked mine better. <laughs> and so that's why he's saying so sorry. Okay, so I'm so my pronunciation was correct then. Yes, yeah, okay. so it would be Tartarus. Well, thank you for letting me know, Drew Campbell. Yes. Thank you for letting me know about Tartarus. He's he's always got like some good research that he's done Excellent. to like Very supplement good. the episode. Yes. So, well, I do good. love all of Thank that. That's fantastic. That. Thank you, sir. Very nice. We also heard from Mark Tweedell. Mark Tweedell. Book club member. Yes. He said, I know of a few instances when Mignola has said something in an interview that he knows isn't true, but preserves the surprises. So there you go. About the rivers, you know, because okay. he said like he didn't know who they were. Yeah. Yeah. So. I think that's probably more what that is but maybe he got the idea uh, from matt listening to our <laughs> podcast i don't know anyway very good thank you guys i also wanted to shout out garrett elliston garrett elliston book club member yeah there is a thread on twitter i forgot who originated the thread you can probably find it on our page but um somebody asked what are your favorite comic onomatopoeias so everyone was oh, talking sure. about snick yeah. and thwip and yeah. all that kind of stuff but garrett ellison said Right hand of doom booms are up there for me. And he tagged Very our good. podcast. Oh, so nice. I was like, yes, awesome. We've got somebody out there chiming in for us. <laughs> Very good. That's sweet. Thank you for representing, Garrett. Uh, thanks for all the listener feedback. And now we're going to go on to our book club episode for the week. And this week we're talking about Hellboy Bones of Giants. Ooh. Didn't we already talk about this? I was going to say, this sounds familiar. <laughs> now this is the comic version. It's a miniseries that was published from November 2021 to February 2022. Written by Mignola and Christopher Golden with art by Matt Smith. Colors by Chris O'Halloran and letters by Clem Robbins. Obviously, we know that this is an adaptation of the novel Hellboy Bones of Giants that came out 20 years earlier in 2001. That's kind of crazy, right? You think like they were thinking when they wrote it, like that it would eventually be a comic someday, or I don't know, you know, like I don't know. because uh, there, there's a bunch of Hellboy novels, you know what I mean, and I don't think any of them have been adapted. I, I so. believe this is the first one. Yeah, yeah. Um, we actually covered this book on the podcast. We did actual book club. If you want to check out episodes one ten to one thirteen of our podcast, or one seventeen to one twenty on iTunes. 
We also interviewed Wayne Mitchell as well. Who oh, was the, yeah. yeah. That was fun. He was the voice of Hellboy in the audio version of the book. So you can check out episode 146 for that one. Or I'll just link them all in the show notes. That was lovely of him there. to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got a good like yeah. five episodes, uh, you know, talking about nice, this kind yeah. of stuff. So if this is your first time coming across this story, you know, definitely go check out the book and those episodes. It was a lot of fun. Yeah, that book was that book was a lot of fun to read, too. All right. Um, I wanted to talk about the covers. So we've got a couple covers to talk about here because we've got the trade paperback cover um, that we're looking at here by Matt Smith. Um, and I love all just like all you get all the creatures in the background. It's got a very kind of like Mignola type of layout. Right. And then we have the um, actual first issue cover. You know, so all the issue covers... And they do something that I think is pretty cool where they all have this motif where it's like some big picture and then like a little in this little frame or whatever. Yeah, right. good. Yeah. Yeah. So we open on the Dalbard River in Sweden in 1988 and we see an ice fisherman over the panels. A spot behind him is repeatedly getting hit by lightning. He goes over to check it out and he finds... Thor's it's, hammer. It's fucking Thor and his hammer. He's all dead. He's here, a skeleton. He's a skeleton Thor. What he says here in Swedish, he says, the ashes of the gods. Yeah. Ooh. Yes. Which um, little... One thing, I guess, like, just right off the bat is the com. I mean, obviously it's a comic, but it moves so much quicker. Because I remember, like, this whole scene, yeah. it's like this whole drawn out thing where, like, he oh, finds yeah. the body and it's... it's but here it's like just the first two pages. I don't know, like yeah. just coming into it, I was like, "Wow, this is really gonna." You gotta adapt it for it, the, you know. You, you know. you've got to. So it's like um, when you read the book and then see the movie, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. There yeah. you go. Yeah. It's like that. And we probably talked about this when we talked about the book too. But the design of Thor's hammer, I think, is interesting too because it's just kind of like a we're so used to the big Mjolnir that Marvel Comics Thor has. You know, this one's just kind of like, it's a little shorter, you know? This is well, more like the one that you see on necklaces of guys that you may or may not be able to trust. <laughs> I was going to say something similar. <laughs> are they just a very sweet pagan or are they a terrible white nationalist? Okay, you yeah. You don't know which it's one. It's hard to tell now. It's yeah. hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, so this is a cool reveal. I like uh, I like Matt Smith's style a lot. Oh, um, yeah. We'll, I love talk, his art. we'll talk about ah, that more good. as we go through it. The next day, there's already an investigation sent by the minister. They're checking all this out, and they see these people approaching. Are you the American scientists? They ask Hellboy and Abe. <laughs> Not exactly, but we're the closest you're going to get. Poor Abe. They're both actually English dudes, though, right? Who is? If you think about it, Hellboy and Abe, because Hellboy was born, quote-unquote, on Earth in East Bromwich, and okay. Abe is Edward Langdon Call, a fancy. Yeah, but he was American fancy. Well, they've, they've was he American fancy? Yeah. Oh, okay. You're right. So Abe is an American guy. Well, they both have American citizenship because they both work at a government agency. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. For the go the American government. Yes, yes. So they, but what they would have to have been. I'm being you know, a little too literal. They would have to have been given citizenship <laughs> right. in order to do that. But that, like he said, we're the, as close as you're going to get. So that oh, probably encompasses all right. of that. You were commenting on Abe. Oh, like he looks how, miserable. How he's all bundled up. You know, in the book, they harp on that a lot. Yeah. Like, oh, how yeah. how, how absolutely miserable. miserable he is. And so in the sketchbook section, Matt Smith even says that he wanted to portray him looking as like he's going to have the hood over his face and closed as much as possible. Um, but you can still tell who he is, which is good. So. Yeah. Good, good job. So they have this whole scene where they're like, is this really what we think it is? We'll have to rewrite history and all this kind of stuff. 
Hellboy's like, I've seen a lot of weird stuff. That's just my life. They mention that no one can lift it and no one has tried because of the lightning. And of course, while they're talking about this, Hellboy's going over to pick it up. There's a nice yellow on that panel by Chris O'Halloran, you know, when he finally picks it up. And then he's like, what? What's this about the lightning? And obviously that's <laughs> right when he gets struck. Um, I really love the colors on this. And what I think is interesting, too, and what I like is this is like almost the exact same pose from the book. In the book, oh, there, right. yeah. there is one shot by Mignola. Mignola does some illustrations throughout the book. And there's one of him drawing Hellboy getting struck by the lightning. And it's almost exactly this pose. So, like, I wonder if Matt Smith, I mean, they obviously went back. And, oh, must have. Yeah. yeah and like, oh, I'm going to use this same thing. I really like that. You're going to show side by side. Of course I am, Aubrey. Of course I am. There's a couple panels in here where I'm going to do that. But uh, again, in the book, I, we're going to be comparing this to the book a lot, just because that was the first way that we read it. But in the book, then it cuts to like a whole chapter of Thor fighting the world serpent. And uh, so that's what we get here. Right when he gets hit by the lightning, um, just like the novel, he has a vision of himself as Thor fighting Jormunder, also known as the Midgard Serpent or the World Serpent. It's a large sea serpent or worm that dwells in the World Sea, encircling the Earth Midgard and biting its own tail, an example of an Ouroboros. As a result of the surrounding Midgard Earth, it is referred to as the World Serpent, and when it releases its tail, Ragnarok will begin. And that's what's happening here in this scene. The colors are really, really fantastic. Very good colors. By Chris O'Halloran. Oh, yeah. So, good. so you see, like, all the stuff going on. You know, you see, like, is that Garm in the background, right? The uh, the wolf? Oh. oh probably. Right? Well, I think it's probably Fenrir. Okay. Yeah, but it's very, like, psychedelic. Like, I almost want to put, like, a black light to it. You know, <laughs> like, um, this whole scene <laughs> where good. he's, like, destroying the world serpent. It's awesome. They do a great job translating it. When Thor defeats the world serpent, he also dies. And he drops the hammer. And he's in that same pose that they found the Skellington, yeah. right? So when Thor dies in this vision, Hellboy wakes up. And when he snaps out of it... Well, he, he fell in the water. Remember? Because oh, in the book, right. it talked about how he slipped and fell in the water. And you can see he's in the water and they're pulling him up with they got the hands on him. Oh, that's a great detail, Aubrey. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Story-wise, I imagine there's not going to be very much different uh, except for the things that have, you know, been cut for yeah. the uh, the pacing of the, the book. So I think mostly yeah. the art is really what's commanding most of my attention on, right, on yeah. this. And this is, um, I really do like what they've chosen to keep and what they've chosen to kind of leave out and i like all the depictions of everything so far i think it's looking it's really strong it's starting off really strong when hellboy snaps out of it he's in the water and he's all wild um i like the nice detail on the word font as yeah he, the font you can tell he's still thor here yeah That's a he's good still way to be he's able still to... like he's embodying that so um he threatens to feed abe's innards to his goats thor's famous goats yes what are their names Oh, Goaty oh. and Goat. No, no. <laughs> it's uh, Tangrinsnir and Tanigjas. Mm. I don't know how to say it. You want to look at this? Let me see this. Tangrisnir and Tanjoster. Oh, okay. I think. I don't know. That was pretty good. That sounded good. I mean, it's probably... I don't speak that language, so it's probably not accurate at all. Who gave us the uh, pronunciation corner? Oh, yeah, pronunciation corner. Oh, William, William Thunholm. Yeah, <laughs> ask him. Yeah, William Thunholm. Write, write in if William you're still Thunholm. listening and tell us how to pronounce these goats' names. <laughs> really great. Thank you for remembering William that, Aubrey. Thunholm. 
it also literally means teeth thin and teeth grinder. Well, gaps between the teeth. Right, right. right. They're the goats that pull the chariot of Thor in Norse mythology. Those are his goats. There's yeah. whole stories about how he gets the goats. <laughs> Giant goats! Oh, look at those! They are wonderful. Oh, look at that! Those things are beautiful! Soon Hellboy comes to his senses and he apologizes, but he also finds that the hammer is fused to his hand. He can't release it. We cut to Hellboy and Abe being driven away by Mr. Clark. Um, so this is like the dickhead guy, you know what I mean? He was also in the book. Professor Aronson is in the passenger seat. Mr. Clark says as long as Hellboy has the property of the Swedish government in his fist, he's going to be their guest. In the back seat, Hellboy says north. And he tells Clark that he can feel that they need to go that way. When Clark refuses, he brings out his best Chris Hemsworth impression, and it's effective. <laughs> I am the god of thunder! Oh, I didn't hear any thunder, but out of your fingers, was that like sp sparkles? I love the expression of Hellboy as he like yells at him, you know what I mean? That's just like, ah, that's just a fantastic depiction by Matt Smith. I really love that panel. Oh, yeah. Uh, the artwork in this is just stellar. I mean, I, Matt Smith is just knocking it out of the park. Um, This guy, Clark, I imagined him as just, he's just like the biggest shithead in the book, and like, Ah, he nailed it. Like, the the expressions that he gives this guy. I like that uh, he's got, like, those tinted glasses or whatever that he just wears all the time. Like, I don't know. It's just a great... But I love this expression, too, when he's all scared when Hellboy is yelling at him. It's, like, really good. Um, that whole panel is just really amazing. I really enjoyed that. When they arrive to their destination, Hellboy tries to explain to Abe how all this feels familiar. He's having images in his head that aren't his memories. I have these images in my head, fighting monsters, that kind of thing. You fought a lot of monsters, Abe says. Plenty, but these aren't my memories. And so Abe does this little, like, bow. What what would you call that that he does right there? A curtsy. Oh, that's what he does, yeah. <laughs> he takes off his hat and he's like, well then, lead on, God of Thunder. I think he's just gesturing. like. <laughs> that's not funny, Abe. It's like a oh, little bow, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's really good. The body language on them is, is I, I just love the... The, the character that Matt Smith brings out of them. I also love like a, not that I don't love the other team, but I love a Hellboy Abe venture. Oh, you know yeah, what I mean? Same, Box same. Full of Evil is one of my favorite stories. And that one is just Hellboy and Abe having like a weird adventure, you know, going on. So I really like that. Hellboy leads the team up this mountainside and they all get real bad vibes from the place. At this one spot, there is a cave and Hellboy says he can feel the evil that led them there but the thing that caused it is gone they see this like intricate carving um inside the cave i wish that we got a better look at that i was like oh i hope that's in the sketchbook section in like better detail um but i couldn't find it is that like um yeah that's a thing oh i should have looked for that yeah if you can find that that would be amazing there's some great details like that's another thing is like matt smith he really did some research in norse mythology or maybe He's just fascinated by that. Or maybe Christopher Golden gave him some tips because he wrote the book, you know, but like there's some great Norse details in this. Oh, uh, you know, Mignola probably handed him a book and goes, here. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, Mignola, I mean, a lot of that could be coming from him, too. Yeah. There's always like weird paintings and statues that are an actual thing, you know, and, and yeah. that, mm -hmm. I'm kind of jumping ahead, but we'll see some of that, too. Oh, and there's another little detail when we see inside the cave, like they don't go all the way in, but Hellboy kind of peeks in. You kind of see from the back. It's that like wheel circle thing right there. That's uh, a gishom. OK, well, can you tell us something about it? Yeah. 
So yeah. this uh, this symbol here, I can't pronounce it. Um, Egisjalmur. I don't know how to say that. I'm that so sorry. Good. I'm so sorry. If you know the Icelandic pronunciation of this, please do tell me. Uh, otherwise known as the Helm of Awe. In, uh, it's an object in Norse mythology and subsequently the name of an Icelandic magical stave. The symbol used for the reference in the sagas came from the Hold manuscript written and collected in 1847 and has no previous attestations. Thank you so much. Excellent. Yeah. Excellent catching that detail. I like the sound effect when he opens the door there. Yeah, it's really yeah. good. It really looks like this cold, dark place that's been like untouched for a long time. Yeah. Hellboy and Abe discuss what might have been in the cave, and Hellboy tells the crew that he and Abe have to head to Stockholm. An old friend of yours, Aronson says. Not even close, Hellboy responds. So we cut over there to Stockholm, and we see a girl running away from Hellboy and Abe. As soon as I saw this, I was like, oh, that's Pernilla Eichmann. <laughs> right, you know what yeah. I mean? Because she's in the book a lot. I, I, I don't know why. I don't know if they described her in the book as blonde, did they? Because I always pictured her as a brunette from reading the book. I don't know. I what, do is this not how... remember, but I mean, she's Swedish, so. Yeah, I guess. I mean, yeah. It seems. Well, how did you, did you picture her like this? Or did you even picture the character at all when we were reading it? I think I pictured her a little bit older. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. She locks herself in the house and yells from inside, Go away, demon. I'm not going to let you kill my father. Jeez. And Abe's like, What exactly did you do to these people? <laughs> I like that comment. Nice. Thanks for the vote of confidence, Abe. <laughs> um, the hooded look on our boys. I love it. Oh, it's so good. I love a hooded look on these characters. You know, there was like some weird tales story where Abe had a hood, and I was like, Ah, it was just for one panel, and I just loved it so much. Uh, I really enjoyed this look right here. It was really cool. Abe tries to calm the situation, and Hellboy assures Miss Eichmann that they need Edmund Eichmann's help. When Pernilla cracks the door, we get that Hellboy wave. I really like that. I think he's done that a couple times, where it's just like this. Yeah. You know what I mean? I don't know. There's something funny about it. Inside with Professor Eichmann, he tells Hellboy that he's always wondered if he held a grudge with him for the whole King Vold situation. And we get a nice flashback there to the story. Matt Smith does a great job recreating this Mignola panel. Oh, yeah, it's really good. And King Vold, it's a Hellboy short story from 2000. It's in the Volume 4 trade paperback. It's also in the short stories Omnibus 1 and the Second Library Edition. So, yeah, go back and check out that story. Um, an interesting detail. So, here we go. Uh, this painting that's behind Abe in this panel is actually uh, The Funeral of a Viking by Frank Dixie. This is a painting from 1893 that depicts the funeral of a Viking leader laid out in a boat that has been ceremoniously set ablaze and it's being pushed out into the tide. Um, so I'll link a picture of that too. But as soon as I saw that, I was like, ah, that's this a, is an actual thing. thing. Yeah. It's actually a very famous painting. Um, another thing that's cool about the painting, uh, Frank Dixie also made the frame for it. I was gonna say that's a nice closed corner frame. Yeah, so he oh, that's the, awesome. so he made the painting and the frame as well. So um, I'll link a picture of it. It's fa- it's a that fantastic used to be piece of art. Quite yeah. common. Hellboy tells Eichmann that he's over it, and he remembers Eichmann getting the worst of it, as a hole was burned into his hand by King Vold's gold. Eichmann also formally introduces his daughter Pernilla, who is also a scholar, and they have a scene where they discuss the hammer. Um, Eichmann mentions Yggdrasil, the world tree. This has been incorporated into the Hellboy mythos a lot, um, especially at the end of the world, right? Wait a second. I remember something in the book. I remember he yelled out, hey, Eichmann, we found Mjolnir. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. But that's what he's talking about are the symbols on the hammer, right? They're representing Yggdrasil, those, like, the sigils on there. Uh, but it made me think about um, the world tree, like, at the end of the world. Remember, like, 
all of England turned into the tree or whatever, the new world or whatever. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Hellboy and Abe mention the cave they found, and Pernilla says that she'll help them figure it out. But for tonight, it's time for them to turn in. Pernilla will make up the rooms for Hellboy and Abe to stay. If you're sure, Miss Eichmann, then we gratefully accept, Abe says. If you're sure, Miss Eichmann, Hellboy mocks. Shut up. <laughs> we cut to them. Tr we cut to Hellboy trying to sleep. I thought this was hilarious. That is hilarious. Oh, he's too big. You yeah. think about how huge he is. It looks so unbelievably yeah, uncomfortable. You know, I thought that was really funny. But yes, we get Ratatosk, just like we did in the book. I like how he goes, uh, he is fleeing. You must stop him. Hurry, Eichmann's running away. And he looks out the window. He's like, crap. <laughs> That's just really good. <laughs> I just really love that. Uh, the pacing on this is, is like really good. I like when he's jumping. Oh, yeah. In this last panel, he's jumping. That's really cute. <laughs> That's super cute. So Hellboy runs over to the restroom where Abe's sleeping in the tub. That was another nice detail <laughs> from the book. Yeah. Um, and he's like, wake up, Abe. Squirrel wants us to catch the old man. And he's, he's like, squirrel. Like, <laughs> and then I just love the pacing on this. Hellboy runs down the stairs and he's just like, ah! He just gets overtaken <laughs> by all these things coming out of the dark. It's really good. Um, it's just like, it's action-packed, but it's funny. I don't know. They just captured like a lot of it in just such a, so few panels. Yeah. yeah. You know, the pacing really makes it. But when I got to the end of this, I was just... I was laughing. I was just like, oh, this is great. This has turned out to be a really great adaptation of the book. I wonder how this lines up, too, with like how we separated it. Because we separated oh, right. it by, in four episodes, yeah. right? So right. Um, I wonder if we had a similar stopping point. Like anyway. we were talking about earlier, it's like, you know... The difference between, like, I guess, like the script and then what ends up actually being right, yeah, what's yeah. in yeah. the movie or yeah, whatever. You're right, it is. yeah, it's a good way to look at it. I didn't talk about Ratatos though. Uh, yeah. Generally considered to mean drill tooth or boar tooth is a squirrel who runs up and down the world tree Yggdrasil to carry messages between the eagles perched atop Yggdrasil and the serpent who dwells beneath the three roots of the tree. Awesome. Yes. Just an awesome little guy. We get this awesome chapter two cover. I, I think this is my favorite one. It's got Hellboy fighting the Spartalves and like it's got him in the little frame and then they're just like making up the whole thing. So um, maybe one of the reasons why I like this cover so much is it reminds me of BPRD Hollow Earth issue two. I don't know if you okay. remember that cover, but that cover had all those underground troll oh, people right. and then in the little and then it had a square in the middle that had the yeah. bprd abe johan and roger I think. oh okay and it, it was almost the same layout as this and it had that same kind of feeling too i'll put them side by side so you can see what i'm talking about but yeah i really like this cover it's probably my favorite one so we open on abe being woken by pernilla so this kind of confused me a little bit i don't know and maybe this was explained in the book but didn't hellboy just come over and wake up abe that's what I thought. And then this opens with he's asleep. Did what he did happened? he did he go back to sleep? Maybe he did cuz he's all like squirrel. Yeah, maybe cuz oh, Hellboy just Oh yeah. Hellboy jumped in and he went squirrel tells me he wants to chase the old man. Yeah. And then he like I guess he went back to sleep. I guess. I don't know. Maybe he thought he was dreaming because that's a weird thing for somebody to say. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Not for them, for their the career that they have shows their career yeah. path has been pretty weird. He must have just been really tired. I guess because like, I don't remember. Yeah, I don't remember either. But he goes. I guess he goes back to sleep, and then so he's woken up by Pernilla. I don't know. Sometimes, like when I'm in kind of like a deep sleep, people can get me to wake up and move to a completely different room, really? and I will not even know. I'll be. Wow. I'll wake up in a new room, and I'll be like. How the hell did I That's here? so interesting. <laughs> I, wow. Yeah. yeah. Well, then I mean, there right. you go. There so. you go. That's That explains it. Sure. Downstairs, they hear a crash, and we see Hellboy. He's fighting all the Svartalves. 
um, they disappear into smoke just like they did in the book when they're killed. I really love that effect. You see, like, there's, like, a... You've been dusted. Yeah, you've been dusted or whatever. But, like, their <laughs> eyes kind of also glow. Yeah. Like, it just... Yeah. I, 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 I can really see that happening, you know what I mean? Like, they'll disappear, but the... Uh, it just... It's a fantastic effect. Hellboy... So, he pulls a knife that they've stabbed into him from his back and tosses it to Abe to continue fighting so he can go after Eichmann. Abe's like, I'm supposed to fight all of them with this? Pernilla asks Hellboy uh, what happened to her father. Is he safe? That's going to be up to him, Hellboy says. As Hellboy pursues Eichmann through the streets, all the streetlights are popping so that way it can be in darkness so the Svartalves can keep coming in and attacking him. I really like that too. So that's one thing that was explained in the yeah. book. Um, but it's just captured really well here. It's like, ah, uh, the art can really, it can really tell us so much. I don't have time for this pig pile, Hellboy yells as they all pile on top of him. Hellboy continues on with the Svartalves dragging along. He fights them off. And uh, all this is really great. I mean, I love all the little um, details and all the different guys. Like, he's crunching this one down here and its eyes are bugging out. This one that's yelling something, I think he's saying, you will die. I tried to translate some of this. Google Translate does not do well for um, Norse, just in case. Or you, any <laughs> language. Or any language, really. I'm begging people to understand um, this. But there is some parts where I think it's in Norse and I don't, I couldn't find like a good translation for that. Uh, William Tunhall is going to have a big, uh, a big assignment a lot ahead on his of him. plate. Yes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, he also reverts to his Chris Hemsworth voice again, right, as he's fighting them. Can you do a Chris Hemsworth, Danielle? What am I doing? Right here, where he's uh, saying, "Send a thousand Svartalves against me." Right there. Send a thousand. I can't do. It. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's okay. Anyway. I don't, I don't. Here's the problem: is I don't want to offend our actual Australian friends that we have. <laughs> listening to this i'm sorry no it'll be funny i can't do it so is this another right-handed boom okay so boom, i was gonna boom. ask about that right so he gets so angry that he smashes the wall um in a fit of rage and it says boom okay but if you follow the little line he's hitting it with the hammer is he not or is he hitting it with his fist it's does this one count both or not? of it's both i think it's, it's both okay well then if it's both we have Right Hand of Doom Boom number 52. Yeah, It's been a while since we've had one. freaking knives in the back of his back. I know, right? <laughs> it's a great detail. Pretty good. As he's chasing him through the subway. His trench coat budget must be through the roof. I know, right? They just order them in bulk now. Yeah. <laughs> them all for sure. Uh. Just get... <laughs> I just got... <laughs> I just got a... A mental image of just an absolute crate of these things being delivered and just oh, the guy like every week, it, like the shipping container area of yeah. the BPRD just going, oh, fuck, so much, so many trench guns. Well, then the other thing, too, is like the disposed ones, right? <laughs> like here's one that's burned. Here's one that's covered in goo. Here's one that has stab holes all through it. Here's one that has gunshots all through it, you know, or whatever. Like the trench coat uh, disposal and retrieval <laughs> unit. Yeah. They must have just a dedicated unit yeah. of well, people. When I worked in corporate America, I was in charge of ordering supplies, so it'd probably be like a supply order. Yeah. Be like, can't we just put this on like a uh, repeat? <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Um, and with that boom, uh, Hellboy <laughs> is approached by two Nivadalim or dwarves. These are Brock and Etree, and these guys are also from Norse, Norse mythology. They made Mjolnir, basically, right? Yeah. Where's the Hondo? And they call Hellboy Thunderbearer. 
and they tell him that they have come to combat the Scourge of Thrym. He's also from Norse mythology. He's the King of the Ice Giants. In one legend, he stole Mjolnir. Hellboy has a memory of killing Thrym. And so we get to see Thrym, because later we're going to see him as the giant skeleton. Spoiler. Um, but here we get to, like, see what he looked like. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. I like seeing these, like, flashbacks to Thor's life. And I like how Thor, he just kind of looks like a regular dude, right? Oh, he's, yeah. He's just like a Viking dude. He doesn't have, like, a giant winged helmet or anything. Wings or horns out of Viking helmets. It's all made up for movies and TVs. They didn't actually have those things on there. Right, right. It's an anachronism. Right, yeah. right. It happened, like, way later, I think. I can't remember, like, the timeline on any mm. of that. But no, Vikings did not have horned helmets. That's right, correct, right. yeah. But I like when Hellboy has this flashback. He's like, holy crap, Thrym, I killed that guy. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. Hellboy returns to the Eichmann house with the two dwarves. <laughs> I like how he just walks in with these guys. Oh, I thought it was really funny. She's like, my God, are those Nidavalim? Uh, he tells Pernilla that her dad is wrapped up in all this. And the Swartovs were helping him. And the dwarves say that Eichmann found the tankard of Thrym. There's a new cult around Thrym, and Eichmann is probably part of it. Um, and Pernilla, this is hard for her to accept. They decide to take a break for the night and get another start in the morning. They'll go visit Professor Aronson, and he can help them figure this all out. I learned about that. I'm still on this. I'm sorry. I learned about this a long time ago, and then I forgot about it. It's uh, the image of Vikings with horned helmets apparently first gained popularity in 1876 when costume designer Carl Doppler included them in the costumes for Wagner's opera Der Ringnesnibla. Oh. I can't pronounce this fucking word. Uh, in the same century, Scandinavian artists like Gustav Malmström were said to have included headgear in their portrayals of the Vikings, etc. and so forth. So, yeah. Like, just artists and musicians and whoever, composers right, and yeah. people, costume designers and people were just like, I'm putting horns on yeah, it. Yeah, wouldn't it be They're cool devils. if... They're devils. They're the devil. <laughs> I don't know. Right? Wouldn't it be cool if... Wouldn't it be cool if... And so, um, this is interesting, though, about the winged things, is that uh, something, something about where's an eagle's helm in the 19th century. I don't know. So, maybe some of them had winged helms, though. Maybe. Oh, maybe. okay. Let me... I can't... Interesting. So, we cut over to Professor Aronson's office... And there's a bunch of Easter eggs in here. Oh, my God. I saw this page and I was like, ah, I got to figure out what all these things are. Okay. This is so cool. Um, so What are all these things? There's a, there's a couple things that I got to point out to you and maybe some that I missed. On the wall is a picture of an animal head carving. This one looks like it might be a leopard or a dog or something like that. Or maybe some kind of cat. This is one of five animal head posts that were found in the Osberg ship. Do you know about this? Do you know about the Osberg ship? Yeah. The Osberg ship was this uh, giant Viking ship that was found, like, in the 1800s, like, or in the early 1900s, like, fully preserved. Yeah, in the in the mound. Yes. There's yeah. a movie about it. And inside were these two elderly women that had been buried in there, and then all this, all this, like, amazing stuff, like, I guess was their stuff. And yeah. this ship was supposed to take them to Valhalla or something yeah. like that, right? Um, but it was really interesting. There were so many things in there. So... There are these animal head posts, and there's five of them, and they're intricately carved. And they have, like, this the, – the teeth, and then they have, like um, – that's hollow right there in the mouth. Yeah. So people think that the posts, like um, – there was chains that ran through the mouth, and it held up. Like, there were four of them, so that maybe held up the coffin or it held up cool. something. Mm. You know what I mean? Like, as they paraded it into the ship yeah. or whatever ceremony they had. Or you could put a pole in there. Yeah, so I thought that, that was really cool. 
Um, that's one of the more famous of the five animal head carvings, but I'll post a side-by-side comparison. It's all very cool. You should check out, uh, Osberg ship on, you know, just Wikipedia or I'm sure there's YouTube videos about it or whatever. You said there's a movie about it. Yeah, I think there's a movie about it, uh, okay. or about a similar thing that happened, but I watched it and it's about, oh, there's these burial mounds and we got to look in there. We got to see what's in there. Yeah. And then they go look and see what's in there, and, and it's Vikings stuff. Right, so. right. Okay, cool. But there's, I mean, it's a big it's a big to-do, the whole movie. is like, right. should we look in there? Uh, I don't know if we should look in there. And then they did. And then they did. And then someone took <laughs> a picture of it. And, yeah. then, and then after someone took a picture of it, they made a poster of it, and then someone in a comic put it in this comic. Yeah. There you go. Next to that is a picture of a rune stone this was found in 1911 in resmo cemetery in sweden look check this out nice oh wow this stone is probably a gravestone it was donated to the swedish history museum um also in 1911 the main motif is two deer-like runic animals in urna's style the bottom edge of the stone is damaged by the inscription along the edge is incomplete but runs quote the stones in memory of Svenna, her husband, dot, and that's all that you can see on there. Huh. Yeah, it was like a tombstone, but they didn't lay them up. It would it would have been flat on the sure, ground. Sure, right. You know? um, so that was pretty cool. I was glad to find that. And then there is this um, little statue, if you see next to him, a shield maiden. Uh-huh. This is a Valkyrie from Harby. This is a small figure found near the village of Harby in Denmark. It measures cool. uh, 3.4 centimeters or 1.3 inches tall and is made of gilded silver. And parts of it are colored black. It was found by an amateur archaeologist in 2012. The figure matches similar figures which have been dated to 800 AD. So it's assumed that it's part of the Viking Age. Um, so I thought that was pretty cool. I was able to find all these little things. We see that Aronson is asleep on his map and on his map he's been writing stuff and in this one panel you can see that he's written candet vara he's written uh can it be mm. in swedish right so that's what he's pointing Shit. to right there so he's found cool something page. very cool yeah so yeah this whole page i was just like oh this is gonna take me this is gonna take me a good couple minutes to to, to figure out and i'm gonna have to take all these pieces apart but it was really cool and i'm sure that this horn and this sword and then even this little like bearded figure behind him i'm sure that those are all things too that maybe i've missed mm. so professor aronson he's there and he has all this cool shit in his office he's found something on his map and then he gets stabbed a billion times by sparks the end yeah gee scrapers <laughs> i like how uh the humor too in this is just really great because after he gets killed we cut over and the first thing it says is i smell bacon this is a good sign the hellboy smells bacon as he's waking up in the morning the dwarves are gone uh hellboy is kind of irritated because he thought they were going to be his bodyguards it looks like abe and pernilla had a delightful breakfast by themselves he made the greatest omelet she ever had she says He's a man of many talents. Yeah, there you go. Abe makes a pretty good omelet. One th- another thing to put on his uh, on his resume there. What's your favorite kind of omelet? You like an omelet? I like an omelet. What What do you like? I like to put. You got to put some onions in there for sure. You got to put some onions. You got to put in onions there. in there. Green onions, yellow onions. Okay. You got to put. You got to put some uh some peppers in there. You got to put some mushrooms in there. That sounds good. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. What about you, Aubrey? What do you? Definitely no mushrooms, but uh... <laughs> mushrooms are <not> delicious. <clears throat> uh, honestly, if Kathy makes the omelet, I will eat it. But uh, the last time she made it had like broccoli and uh, turkey and cheese. Oh, cheese. okay. Really good. Get up some that cheese. sounds really good. Yeah, yeah. 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 I can't have the broccoli though. Several kinds of cheese. But um, delicious. I like mm. a, I like breakfast foods of any kind. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, just give me some. Just give me some breakfast stuff in there, and Eggs I'll be and fine. Cheese. Yeah. So after she mentions that he made the greatest omelet, I like how Abe's like, if you want, and his little expression there, like he's telling Hellboy, like, if you want, I'll make you one too. You know what I mean? Like, that's kind of what he's, I thought that was a good moment. Uh, But Hellboy just grabs an apple and he says they're going to head to the professors. When they get there, they see the ambulance and the police. This is bad, Abe says. Mr. Clark approaches them and he's immediately suspicious of them and wants to know their whereabouts the night before. And wants to know their whereabouts the night before. You're kidding, right? Hellboy asks. I doubt he ever kids, Abe responds. Pernilla also jumps in and she provides an alibi for her Hellboy and Abe. She says she's aiding their investigation. For instance, I'll solve this case for you right now, she tells Clark. Professor Aronson was murdered by homicidal Svartovs who are attempting to resurrect the King of the Frost Giants. Of course, Clark doesn't believe it. Abe remarks how Clark found a Norse god, and now he's having trouble believing elves. Abe's not cold anymore over here. Oh, yeah. He's got I guess shorts on. I guess it's uh, it's daytime now, or I don't know. He's not as cold. I love the expression of Clark as she's telling him all this. Like He just like looks like such an arrogant... I don't know. That expression right there in that, in that uh, third panel. Abe tells Hellboy he has something he should know, and reveals this Yormonger pendant. Aronson gave it to him when they first met, but he wanted Abe to keep it from Hellboy and was scared about it. Um, I did want to talk about this because they're revealing something that happened. But I, I in the book, I want to say that it happened in the beginning of the book. Did it? Do you remember that? No. You don't remember? But I thought that was an interesting reveal, like, because they hadn't mentioned the pendant at all. I think it had been introduced in the book, like, in the beginning of it when they first found Thor. Yeah. Um, so here they bring it up. I, I thought that was an interesting way to... Uh, to come back around to this because Abe has been carrying it the whole time. And I remember in the book, like it's making him really cold too. Like that's part of the stuff that's adding to his coldness is that he's carrying this thing. Hellboy wonders what Aronson was afraid of and coincidentally spots a figure with a spear and shield in the distance. I know, did you catch that right there? Mm-hmm. It's very subtle in that, in that little corner. I, I didn't the first time around, but I did this time. <laughs> But before we go on to this scene, there's a car, like, throughout this scene. So, in the sketchbook section, uh, Matt Smith says that it's a sweet Volvo 245DL. Uh, there's a funny note about it in the sketchbook section. So, I just wanted to point out that car. You know, we know that Mignola hates drawing cars, so at least he didn't have to draw this one, right? A right? sensible Volvo. Yeah. <laughs> but back to the story. So, the shield maiden that Hellboy saw is missed. Abe and Pernilla can't see her, but Hellboy has a whole conversation with her. Is he talking to the birds or something? So Hellboy, again, is speaking in his uh, in his Thor voice there. She says, I came now because you claim the death gift Eitri made for Thor. That's that serpent pendant. So what is this, your beeper, Hellboy asks? But you'll only help when I'm dead? It's not for me to say what Eitri intended, Miss says. But the serpent pendant is a gift indeed. As for help, if you wish to know what is whispered among the branches of the ash, you know the one you must ask. Hellboy starts calling out to Ratatosk, and he comes. Uh, the squirrel comes, so I like this. And Abe and Pernilla do see that, and they see it talking to Hellboy. Ratatosk gives Hellboy the location of Thrym, where the children of Dane and Valen tramp upon his spine. So good thing Pernilla is there. 
um, because she tells us, I don't have to do any research, that in Norse mythology, there are enormous female deer who live around the base of the world tree and nibble at its lower branches. So uh, Hellboy asks where they might find a bunch of deer, and Prunilla says, that's an easy one. Jugarden. This is the Royal Game Park. It's an island in central Stockholm, Sweden. It's home to historical buildings and monuments, and they kind of talk about that here. Pernilla says the island is full of museums and other tourist attractions, but it's mostly it's still the same forest the king once used as a hunting ground. When there, and following Hellboy's lead, they all st- start to get a really bad feeling about this. They hear chanting. Chanting. Ray, you're chanting. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to listen to this. Ray, you're chanting. I'm not going to Ray. hear this now. I'm not Ray, look. Going to Ray. Listen to this. Unconscious I'm chanting. You're chanting. I want to kill everyone. Satan is good. Satan is our pal. The chanting leads them to Professor Eichmann and the Svartalves. Eichmann's drinking from the tankard, and before they can get their game plan together, the ground starts shaking. We get some nice color there by Chris O'Halloran as, like, the hand comes out of the ground. I really love that. Oh, so Uh, good. A lot of, like, really cool motion, you know, uh, to capture how the ground would, like, swell up like that. Oh, crap. Uh, So we get the Chapter 3 cover. Um, some really cool details in here, right? So we've got uh, Ratatos worked into there. We've got the the dwarves. And I think this is Garm. Oh, it must be. At the bottom. Yeah. This is where Eichmann's eyes are all wild. Like, he's got, like, these green supernatural eyes. I guess they're, like, kind of a similar color to the Svartalves. And we get Thrym coming out of the ground. This is something that, like, I really wanted to see. There weren't a lot of illustrations, I want to say, in the book of right. the, the the giant, you know, skeleton frost giant thing coming out of the ground. Like so it was really cool. Yeah, the cover is incredible, right? I like the cover with um, Ratatosk at the top and Fenrir down at the bottom. Yeah. Yeah, but I did love this reveal of Thrym. Really cool. We get the confrontation um they're trying to get the tankard hellboy's fighting off off the svartalves on this third panel i really like how we get this like um these two little insert panels where professor eichmann's laughing and then in the other one pernilla's like papa please you must stop like i just thought that was really a cool way to like depict that yeah hellboy and abe take on the svartalves and pernilla goes to try and get the tankard from her father some tremendous action shots here um i love abe with the knife so whenever there's an Abe action figure, they always have him like with a knife or something like that, or you know what I mean. And I'm like, yeah, here, re- like I could do this with my toy. I'm gonna re- reenact this scene um, with my with my Abe figure um, with his little knife. It's really cool. A knife? <laughs> no. I love how this one Svartov is like trying to. He's like nine on Hellboy's head or whatever. He's like, get off me, you slobbery little. But never fear the Nidavellim are here. Eitri, Brock, and some other dudes, they spring into action. This one is just like chopping off one of these dudes' heads. They say, we're not here for you. We're here for all nine worlds. And then, you know, in his Chris Hemsworth voice, he says something in Norse that's like, like he's saying like, we're going to fuck this shit up or something. You know what I mean? But it's like, I I don't know what it is. I tried to, I put it in Google Translate. That obviously didn't work. Um, I just didn't have time to, like, translate all of that. But he's probably saying, like, let's fucking get this dude. Let's fuck this shit up. (laughs) So I love this shot as they're all charging toward the Svartalms. He said, fuck it, we ball. Yeah, there we go. Anyway, they go and attack Thrym. The Frost Giant recognizes Hellboy as Thunderer. And he picks up Hellboy like a doll. And he starts to, like, freeze him. You see how his, like, right hand of doom starts to freeze him? So I remember in the book there was a whole thing where he froze him in, like, a giant block of ice. 
but I don't think they do that in here. But I wonder if maybe they were trying to pay tribute to that or in some okay. way. Because he starts yeah. trying to like freeze Hellboy. He says, I am Thrym. I am king. Maybe you missed the news, Hellboy says, but we don't do kings anymore. And he like oh, breaks out of his shit. hand or whatever. It's like he breaks his fingers off. Yeah, it's really good. I just love this as he's like punching him with the hammer. Really cool. Abe is still fending off the Svartalves and Pernilla confronts her dad and tries to talk some sense to him. She's like, I know you're in there, but Eichmann is only concerned with the tankard. Away from me, girl. I have godhood in my grasp, he says, pushing her away. And so she's like, what? That's all you care about? Yes, he's 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 crazed, right? He is. Eichmann beckons to his master, Thrym. And so Thrym picks him up and he's like, I hid my spirit all away in this tankard all this time, little man. Now I'm taking it back, all of it. And so he sucks the life force out of Eichmann. And Hellboy's just like, damn it. And he just drops him afterwards. So Thrym does all this and then he's like, uh, all right, I'm going to go see my kingdom now. Peace out. You know what I mean? And Hellboy's like, no, we're going to fight right now. And he's like, nah, laters. And he just what? leaves. He just walks off. <laughs> he's like, no, 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 we'll fight later. And I guess like, I guess like when you're a giant, like, you're gone. She's like, bye. You take five steps I'm and like I, you can't catch up to him because like I thought that was interesting too because they can't find this guy for days yeah. after right? this. Yeah. Now. So Hellboy's like, uh, hey, you know, can we track him? We're gonna follow the trail, all this kind of stuff. But um, Abe's like, not now, Hellboy, not yet, because Pernilla is upset over her dad who just like pushed her away and then totally got the life force sucked out of him. Uh, we cut over to Riddar Home Hospital. Uh, I think I talked about this also when we read the book. There's a Riddar Home Church in Stockholm, Sweden. So maybe this is part of the same thing or they're connected in some way. Um, we get these two doctors that are getting ready to do the autopsy. And they're having this conversation. Um, I thought it was interesting. So there's one, there's one doctor in the blue. He's like, wow, this is, I, I can't believe this, you know. Um, am I supposed to pretend? And then the other doctor is like, it's just a man. Yeah, he's bigger and he's taller, but it's just a man. So well, there's one guy's freaking out because he's like, oh, this is Thor. And the other right. one's like, uh, it's whatever. They're doing the autopsy. Thunder flashes and mist appears inside the room. Oh, we also see Clar is there as well. It's well, giving Mulder and Scully. Oh, <laughs> I like the um, when you see the uh, ribcage of Thor, he's got all these runes carved into him. Oh, wow. What a great detail. Oh, that's awesome. I really like that. How does that happen? They're gods. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Mist appears inside the room. I have come to claim the shell, she says. This one doctor, uh, the one in the green, he tries to call for security. Mr. Clark, like an idiot, starts firing his gun. And of course, it has no effect. And the guy's like, damn it. Why don't you die? It's not my time. You, however. Yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, but she didn't kill this one guy. Okay. The guy that was freaking out over it being Thor's body. She killed the one that was like, oh, it's just a man. But she left this dude alive, and he's like, thank Worshipping you. Worshipping Odin. <laughs> yeah, he's like, thank you, Odin. Thank you, one-eyed wanderer. You know, I'll never pray to another. Thank you, thank you. Because, like... Thank you, all father. Right. Yeah. So I wonder, like, she knew that he was a believer, or... I don't know. You know what I mean? That's kind of interesting that, you know, before she came in... I mean, he may not have been a believer at first, but then all of a sudden they're working on the you Yeah, know, but why would he know of all of this stuff? Well, I mean... 
maybe he just just knows it. Have you ever called Odin the one-eyed wanderer? Well, these are people that live in Sweden. Oh, okay. You know well, I mean? So I don't know. I, I don't mean, know if they had shipped the body somewhere. I think it's cool. probably more in the culture than it is here. Absolutely, yeah. definitely, one hundred percent would be. Yeah. And so that's what I was thinking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, excellent. Very good. I'm on board with that. That's cool. That yeah. makes sense. And then he sees like a Valkyrie pop in. Yeah, oh, for sure. Yeah. Like, oh shit! It's all real. <laughs> Well, yeah, if he'd, yeah. Yeah, if he'd <laughs> grown up with all of these as um, as his like cultural yeah. fairy tales, et cetera, then yeah. that's, yeah, yeah. that yeah. makes sense. So we cut to three days later at the funeral for Eichmann. Some government suits meet with Hellboy and Abe. And I remember there was a whole scene with these guys in the book, too. Um, they tell them that they've bungled the mission. And despite the theft of the skeleton and the deaths of Aronson, Clark, and the medical examiner, they're still being told to cooperate with Hellboy and Abe to solve this case. Hellboy takes offense that they've called it bungled, and he mentions they're chasing a 40-foot cadaver, and they haven't uh, come up with anything. Abe and Hellboy say that they're heading north. They have their own paranormal leads on a riverside village where everyone has vanished. That means a dwarf told them, right? That's their, <laughs> that's their paranormal lead. They head that way in the helicopter. When they arrive, they find everyone gone, even though Eitri said there would be bodies and bones. They need to find transportation, so Abe hotwires a car. They talked about this too in the book that he could do that. Yeah, I, I wanted to see it though. I wanted to see like the little like yeah. where the wires come together or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I just want a panel of Abe doing an illegal activity like that. Sure, <laughs> I just think it would be great to use out of context. I would use it as my profile picture. Of I want that. You, would. <laughs> you know what? I just thought of this. Hmm. I have a fucking commission from Ross. <laughs> what if I have him draw Abe hotwiring this Jeep right here That'd in the awesome. in the snowsuit? What do you think? Is that stupid? That's Awesome. <laughs> You'd be the only one who has something like that. Anyway, that's uh, anyway. I'll think about it. <laughs> um, so once they take off in the van, they find the dwarves, and then the dwarves all pile into the car. And this was another moment that I was like, I want to see this. I want to see the van with all the dwarves and Hellboy and Abe in it all together. We get a little bit of it. We don't get as much. Um, I do like this one scene as they're all like piling out of it and stuff like that. Eitri tells them about Garm, the Hound of Nippahelir. I don't know if I'm probably saying that wrong. I can't pronounce any of this. I in, wish I could. In Norse mythology, Garm is a wolf or dog associated with Hell or Ragnarok and is described as the bloodstained guardian of Hell's Gate. Garm has risen in Midgard and he's in this village. Eitri uh, tells Hellboy that he has gathered the corpses of all the villagers like a dragon hoarding its treasure. So they get there, and they're getting ready to go inside. And Hellboy has this moment where he tells Pernilla, he's like, look, if I asked you to stay outside, you realize it's because you're a regular human and easier to kill than the rest of us, right? Not just because you're... Because you know what I mean? Like, yeah. too woke. Anyway. Um, <laughs> but she's like, uh, she's like, well, if you let me borrow that, I won't be so easy to kill. So she's like, you have the hammer anyway. So he gives her the gun, and he lets her go with that. I thought that was pretty cool. He's like, yeah, okay. All right, you got a gun. gun. You can come yeah. along. The team confront Garm. Ah, this depiction of him with all the bodies is so creepy and gross and weird. I do remember in the book it was a little more graphically described. Right, And I'm actually kind of glad that they didn't... uh... They kind of kept it in the distance and mostly in the dark, right? Hellboy tells Abe to shoot it, so him and Pranilla unload on it, but it doesn't have any effect. So he's like, oh, crap. Take Abe and wait outside. This isn't a job for guns. So, uh... The dwarves and Hellboy all go after the wolf. When he says this isn't a job for guns, we see Brock is like jumping in from the side over here. And then on the next page, we see him totally get bitten in half. 
So that's pretty messed up. And then Eitri's like, brother, no. And he's like stabbing in the wolf and all that. I guess there's no point asking you to play dead, Hellboy says. And the wolf talks. I forget that I forgot that it could talk. He's like, the hammer, it isn't yours. Bad dog, Hellboy says. And they're like, for Brock. <laughs> and they like all charge at it. I like that. I like that panel right there as they're all like going after the giant wolf. Um, outside, we see that Abe and Pernilla are talking. And she's like having trouble, you know, coming to grips with all of this stuff is real and everything. But she's like, one thing's keeping me focused. Somehow my father is dead and myths are real. In the aftermath, Hellboy comes out. He's all bloodstained and tattered. One of the dwarves sets the thing ablaze. Abe asks about Brock. He's dead, Hellboy says. Prunella, you drive the truck. I love the colors on this page, too. Oh, it's so good. It really kind of breaks things up. And I love this, like, purple sky and everything. It just seems, uh, I don't know, it it seems very cold. All of this is, like, done. It's it's not just white, but it still feels very cold and very real. They drive for two days. Abe is, you know, he's wondering why all these things are happening, right? Why the Nidavalim and the Svartovs are coming into this part of the world. Why do they stay? And he's thinking maybe Hellboy has a sense of it because he's getting, like, feelings from the hammer. Hellboy says, there's nowhere to go. I can feel the land. That land of gods. The realm of the giants. The war against Thrym basically left them in ruins. Our world was affected the least, but the fallout, the other Norse realms, pieces of them anyway, merge with this one. Other pieces are still outside our reality. Abe says, you seem to know a lot more about this than you did a couple days ago. The longer I hold the hammer and the further north we go, the clearer it all becomes in my head, Hellboy says. Pernilla says, sometimes you don't even sound like yourself anymore. Sometimes I don't feel like myself, Hellboy says. And then he's like, stop the truck. They go on foot the rest of the way. Pernilla and Abe discuss not being made for the weather and how they're going to go get some coffee after all this is over, which I thought was cute. (laughs) Maybe I should get that as a commission from Ross Radke. That would be a cute one. Anyway, along the way, they find more bodies of villagers that Thrym has been draining the life from. Pernilla says she had no idea that there was a village on this mountain. There was, Hellboy says. It's been replaced. All Pernilla and Abe see is the village, but once Hellboy raises his hammer and lightning strikes, Utgard is revealed to them. So this is the stronghold of the Yoltar. Yoltnar, which is the frost giants, right? In one version of Norse mythology, Utgard is thought to be the last of the three worlds connected to Yggdrasil, being the home of the external cosmic forces. And we get this issue four cover. So this is kind of like the inverse of the issue two, right? The issue two had all the Svartals, and this one's got um, all the Vikings and the Valkyrie. Really cool. We get some more up-close shots of Utgard, and we see like the doorways carved into it. Hellboy says, it isn't Utgard, it's the ghost of Utgard. The ghost of the Kingdom of Giants. And Abe and Pernilla can see it now. I like this page. Oh yeah, with the the reveal of Utgard. Really nice, yeah. I love seeing all those like towers and stuff like that. I wonder if there's like I wonder if there's like any like like Norse reference for any of this, or if it's just like, let's just make this look fucking cool. Probably both. We do get Hellboy talking about how he's tired of having the hammer. Like, he's had it fused yeah. to his hand, this whole thing. That would you know be what I mean? quite tiresome, yeah, yes. so he's, like, saying that uh, he's going to kill that giant zombie with a tree sticking out of its chest. So we didn't mention that. Um, when, when Thrym came out, you know, just like oh, in the right, book, yeah. he's got the tree sticking out of him um, because it came out of the ground. Um, but Hellboy's like, I'm going to kill that giant zombie with the tree sticking out of his chest, and if I still can't lo- let go of this hammer, I'm going to cut the whole arm off, I swear. He also mentions that the hammer is starting to feel weird and warm in his hand, and then the pendant is starting to get really cold on his chest. 
He's like, I don't know why the hell I brought it along. He talks to Eitri, and Eitri tells him, um, Brock forged Mjolnir, I crafted the pendant, the image of Jorgman Gun, the world snake, the Midgard serpent. The hammer was a gift of life, the pendant a gift of death. He wore it at the end. I believe it is an anchor for the spirit in Mjolnir. Together I believe they are keeping Thor with us. And Hellboy's like, hang on, are you saying I could have gotten rid of Thor's stowaway ghost and the damn hammer if I smashed the pendant? You knew that and you didn't say a word? It's a suspicion, not a certainty, Eitri says. But yes. And what would you have done if I'd told you? How would you have found Thrym? How would you defeat him? And Hellboy's like, geez, what a dick. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I love this. So they're going to do this a couple times in this issue. But when Eitri's talking about it, there's like these two half panels. And one of them has the hammer and the other one has the pendant. Did you notice that? Nope. So when they get to the entrance of Utgard, they see another giant like crawling out of the ground. It's all dead or whatever. So they're like, well, that can't be good. There's there's like three other holes right around it, too, you know? Oh, I didn't notice that. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So a bunch of them have been coming out. I don't like that. They're trying to figure out a plan of what they're going to do and how they're going to get inside there. Hellboy goes, I could smash this serpent pendant, drop the hammer, and we could just go home. That isn't funny, Prunella says. And he's like, no, then I guess we better go knock on the door and see who answers. And so that's exactly what he does. I love that. He just comes up, he holds up the hammer, and then just like crashes through. That's awesome. I really love that. I guess the giants also see him as Thor, right? Because they're like, it cannot be. You're dead. Yeah, at least I don't look like it. Yeah, really cool. And he has his uh, Thor voice, too. You can tell by the font. I like how that uh, all changes. Um, and then we see all the other giants in there, and they're, like, eating people. You know, they're just, like, chewing on bodies and stuff like that. I thought that was pretty gruesome. Hellboy and the dwarves, they have an epic battle with these giants. Hellboy's like, I'll go high, you go low. And Eitri says, don't judge us for our height, Thunder, or judge us by how many giants we kill. <laughs> Pernilla and Abe, they're running away they're looking to see if there are any villagers so while all the action is going on well wait because we missed this line where he goes what are you little red man that isn't your hammer oh so they don't see him as thor right they do or they thought hellboy was dead or i don't know what's going on there maybe some do and some don't sure yeah good catch there Uh, like hellboy's response is it is now well, just like Pernilla and Abe, they didn't see Utgard, and then they did. Oh, I so see. Maybe sure. It's maybe it's like, like a, yeah. yeah. I don't know. It took maybe a second a... for it to wear off. Right, right. So uh, Abe and Pernilla, they go looking for some other villagers to see if there's anyone still alive. And they find these people, like, caged up. Uh, Pernilla goes in there, and Abe's like, wait, we don't know what might be. And so she goes in there, and she sees all the dead bodies, right? There's just, like, a ton of, like... And also, I like that, too, that they kind of, like purple it all out and yeah you're just right. like let your imagination wonder about just how gross that is pile of gore <laughs> yeah yeah when they start opening the gate to let those people out um he says thank god we cut back over to hellboy and the dwarves fighting the frost giants i love this part so one of them picks up hellboy and he's like carrying a hammer doesn't make you a god you're right ugly i'm not a god but i brought one with me and he holds up the hammer and just fries that dude it's really cool <laughs> there's a there's a lot of really cool moments <laughs> like that. yeah I like this one shot of all the dwarves like hacking on this one's back and he's like, get off me. They're all like chopping him to bits. But then we get the reveal of all the other giants, right, that are there. Um, There's some pretty gnarly ones in here. So we see this uh, two-headed one that's like laughing. So that's Horesvelg. And that one was actually in the book. I think some of these other ones were named too. But in the sketchbook section, 
Uh, Matt Smith says that two of these are giants from Co- the Conan movie. Nice. Uh, oh, that's, that's awesome. awesome. I'm not really, uh, I, I, I don't really remember that movie very well. So I'd have to go back and check which two they are. But anyway, this Herezvelg one with the, you know, it's got two heads and then each head is missing an eye or whatever. It's just, uh, it's cool design on this. I really like all these giants. So there's an epic moment with Hellboy, you know, he's like doing his Thor thing and he's got, the image of Thor behind him and all, all the lightning is crashing down. Enough. Come to me then, bones of giants. And we will all return to the grave where we belong. Where all the nine worlds were meant to be buried forevermore. I like, they, how, he, I like how he said the name of the book. He said the name of the thing and the thing. Perez Velg in Norse mythology. Um, he's portrayed as an eagle-shaped originer of the wind. I guess when he be when he's a frost giant, he's a two-headed monster or something. <laughs> so back with Abe. You know, they're waiting for Hellboy. They're basically waiting for Hellboy and the dwarves to take care of all the giants before they can come out with the survivors. But one of the giants sees Abe in there. And I love this moment where he's like, aw, crap. We got an Abe, aw, crap in there as the hand is coming in. Uh, Really fun. And it grabs Abe, but the dwarves come and they start hacking that one up too. So we cut back to Hellboy and I guess like he just lightninged all these dudes. And Huresvelg, as he's dying, he's like, Thor, is all of this real? As real as it ever was, Hellboy says. I love that panel, right? We have Hellboy and Thor side by side forevermore. And we get this great depiction of Ragnarok, I guess, right? You know, um, the, yeah. the red sky. And the armies that are back there as well. Yeah, so um, in the middle we have Mist with Ratatosk on her shoulder. Do you see that in the little panel? Mm-hmm. That's really good. So they're getting all the prisoners out, but it isn't over. They still have to fight Thrym, right? They've just taken care of all the giants. Hellboy's getting ready for the battle with Thrym. And there's another one of these set of half panels on the side where it's got like these, the Valkyries and the knights, right? Okay, so these two right here in the left, that's Louise and Walt Simonson. Yeah, so because uh, Matt Smith said because of all that they've contributed to Thor that they they deserve to be. He said if anyone's if anyone's Vikings or Valkyries, it's it's them, too. So I thought that was really cool for him to tribute them in that way. Have you read Simonson's uh, Mighty Thor run? No, I haven't. It's really good. Yeah, it's good. Um, And I want to read his like his creator own Thor story. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. That one's called Ragnarok, right? Yeah. Yeah. We get the epic showdown with Thrym and Hellboy. Thunder, you have come only to die again, but I am pleased to see you. It is not my hand that took your life the first time. Today we will remedy that. And Hellboy's just like, ah! He just does like... <laughs> <laughs> right? I thought that was pretty good, right? I love all the Vikings and all the Valkyries kind of watching from the side. Finally, Hellboy's like, well, that's enough screwing around. And he just goes and he just like starts bashing his fingers apart. And just like he does in the book, he reaches up. He grabs that giant tree, and we also see, like, Thor's with him, right, as he goes to reach for the tree branch, and he just, like, pulls the tree out of Thrym, and when he does that, it, like, guts him. Um, (laughs) Really cool. So, like, I mean, they described it in the book really well, but I love seeing this depiction. You really get, like, the sense of what's happening when he pulls that tree out. And so Thrym is like, Thor, go on then, bring the thunder. Done. And so the lightning comes crashing down. Thrym is a skeleton again. Uh, just like in the book again, after that's done, Miss comes down, she taps Hellboy on the horn stub, and the hammer drops. You've made him proud, Ratatoss says. I like how he's on his shoulder, like, 
you know, she's walking away, but the squirrel's facing him. That's really cute. Super cute. You fought well, Thunderbearer. Eitri says, my cousins and brothers were honored to die by your side. I will remember them and you. And he takes the hammer. And Hellboy's like, look, Eitri, I'm not him. You know that, right? Yes, Hellboy, he responds. We know. And all of it disappears. We kind of get a nice effect as Utgard is like disappearing too. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Hellboy holds up the serpent pendant and he's like, this is all pretty much that's left except for the bones. He gives it to Pernilla. Donate it to museum or keep it for yourself. Either way is fine with me. Just maybe don't put it on. And Abe, I love his sweater. Yes, sweater Abe. Sweater Abe returns. An excellent Scandinavian sweater. We had a sweater Abe back in the BPRD days with his mustard sweater, and so now we have this one too. And it's got the Nordic on it. It's got a lot of Uh, uh, very fine textures and uh, patterns. Ooh, looks really good. He tells Hellboy, Hellboy, promise me that next time we'll go somewhere warm. Bali, baby, Hellboy says. We're going to Bali. I heard that so clearly in my head just now when I was reading it. I heard it so clearly as Ron Perlman. I was going to say the same thing where he's like, we're going to Bali. And like the expression that Matt Smith gave him with his finger up like that. Yeah. Like we're even going to Bali. Like even just... the... Even the detail, you know what I mean? Because Hellboy's got these solid yellow eyes, but in this panel you can't see those. And it kind of looks like just like regular eyes. Yeah. It really looks like Ron Perlman. It really does. In, in that shot right there. I was like, man, I could really see him like walking off and just going, we're going to Bali. Yeah. It's just like really cool, really cool. I can um, hear it as clear as a bell. I really love the characterization of Hellboy in this book. It's really good. Um, yeah. I, I loved him and Abe all and the all, their, all their little and... moments and their body language and the little thing. Abe wants to make him an omelet and all this kind of stuff. It's just uh, <laughs> they, they, they have a good back and forth together. It just makes me happy to have like a little team book like this. Yeah. I Very it was, cute depictions all around. I thought it was really yeah. cool to just like um, to be able to see this. To be, You know what I mean? You read a book and how rarely do you get to like then see it. In, well, I guess it happens more and more nowadays, but. That was really great. So I did want to talk about the sketchbook section. I thought this was so fun. We get like all these different depictions of him trying to figure out how to put Hellboy in winter wear or in like a disguise or whatever. (laughs) Stockholm stealth mode. Uh, That's what it says. So um, he kind of talks about that. Uh, the, all he could do was really put him in a hood uh, because the hats don't really work with those things. I like the hats. Yeah. I like the one with the puffball on top of it. <laughs> he's like, I like how like Hellboy's like, come on. Yeah. And he's like, this was never really serious. <laughs> I like it. Um, I also think this is really cool. So he had to learn how to draw the right hand of doom holding the hammer from a bunch of different angles. Oh, so he's wow. like, he's like, let me just do a study on that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because it, it's going to be that way for the whole book. Jeez. You know what I mean? So, yeah, that seems like a, a real feat to kind of, like, figure Golly. out all the different ways that that's going to look. Uh, we get Sweater Abe. We get all the different Abe outfits. You know, I really like that. I, I like him with the messenger bag and the hoodie. God, it's cool. Like how yeah. he gave up halfway through the Nordic sweater. Like, we get it. <laughs> yeah, but he even put there, um, zipped up most times to the top, Abe does not like cold. So, yeah, that's definitely something that they uh, hearken to in the book. Um, it said the Nordic sweater was Chris O'Halloran's favorite. So, yeah, the colorist really enjoyed that Nordic sweater. Um, we also get the sketches for Pernilla, for Professor Aronson. He says here in the sketchbook section, I'd love to spend some time poking around his office and seeing what cool books and yeah. objects he had. Well, he put all that cool stuff in there. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, that, that definitely shows. Um, I like that. We also get Clar. Um, Christopher Golden wrote this guy as pretty unlikable, and my goal was to bring that across as best I could. 
I like all the different expressions. Uh, and here's where he says, uh, caricature is not one of my strong points, but I was hell-bent, and he put H-E-L, bent, on putting Walt and Louise Simonson in with the Asgardians. If any Asgardians walk among us, it's those two. I thought that was really sweet. Yeah, he talks about his depiction of Thor. He talks about that sweet Volvo 245. He says, uh, I had one and I miss it dearly, the car. So he just he just loved that car. Aw, that's sweet. Really cool. We get the designs for Utgard. And then I love this very last sketch. It's a warm-up sketch, Abe. Go to hell. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, good stuff. Man, read, having read the book already and knowing everything about Hellboy and the Hellboy universe, uh, like, did this pay off? Did you feel like, yeah, they did a good job adapting that? Or Absolutely. Fantastic. Oh, yeah, they really did a good. great job. Yeah, I really love Matt Smith's art. It's really good. And I was glad to see that Christopher Golden uh, came back to help do the writing. You know, like... Some of the lines and some of the 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 scenes were exactly like I mean they really yeah. oh, they yeah. really went and and took all the good memorable stuff from the book and put it in here so um, I thought it was really great all right well I hope you guys enjoyed this episode let us know what you thought of Hellboy Bones of Giants the book or the comic and what, what you thought of that comparison go check out those episodes check out that episode with Wayne Mitchell check out the audiobook for the book and now everybody's gonna say all the things. Well, one thing I'm curious about is, have you only read the comic and not the book? And I want to hear what your thoughts are. If you oh, like the story, yeah. you can uh, send us at guys at hellboybookclub at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram and Twitter at hellboybookclub. And on Facebook, it's hellboybookclubpodcast. Uh, you can also find all of our resources on our Podbean website, our Facebook about section, and our link trees on Instagram and Twitter. Link tree, not link twee. As always, special thank you to Paul from Gatahan for the listener feedback theme. Thank you, Paul. Uh, thank you, Only Beast, for the uh, the theme. You're welcome. You're welcome. You know, thank you. Uh, you can find the podcast wherever you get your podcast from. And if you're new there, open it up and give us that five-star review. And if you're liking what you're hearing, tell a friend. Have them join the book club. And also, if you want to hear us more, come on, join us over at Book Club Member Comics. We're over there having a lot of fun. Yes. Next week, we're going to be back over at Book Club Member Comics. Uh, we're reading the Baltimore book, um, and we're reading the section, The Surgeon's Tale what she said so you guys know what to do crack open those books it's even an audio book give it a listen give it a read and join us over at book club member comics and we'll be back next month for some more hellboy good fun stuff and join us at book club member comics and hellboy book club podcast thanks for listening everybody i'm john salinas i'm a warm-up sketch and i'm aubrey lovely saying yes thunder bear have a tantrum that will solve everything yes